Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined once again by author Riley Sager to talk about his latest novel, The Only One Left. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So you are a bit of a seasoned pro at this now. Yes, this is this is not my first time at the rodeo. And it <laughs> it's weird because I, I kind of follow the same schedule every year. And so there's a bit of not quite deja vu, but just, oh, we're, we're, we're doing this again. Like this is time flies. And that just seems like all of a sudden I'm having another book come out and doing <laughs> interviews and going on tour. And it's, it's very strange how quickly, you know, the, the year goes by. How has that process evolved for you? I mean, do you feel, would you say just as nervous as the, the first time? Do you have any pre-release rituals that you do? Yeah, it's all pretty much the, always the same. I'm always nervous um, because you want people to like the book and you're never sure if people are going to like the book. In this case, I mean, I do think that people are loving this book from what I've seen, and that is amazing to hear, and it makes things a little easier. But there's also, like, you know, sales to consider. Like, is it going to sell well? I don't know. Am I, and are people going to come to my book events? I don't know. And so there's always this sense of just anxiety and not knowing how things are going to turn out. And generally, everything turns out fine. And then when it's all over, I just am like, why did I worry so much? <laughs> No, I fully understand that. Uh, well, for our listeners who are not aware, can you tell us a little bit about The Only One Left? Sure. The Only One Left is very, very loosely inspired by Lizzie Borden. When I say that, people think, oh, we wrote a Lizzie Borden book. No, this just very tangentially related. It's it's about um, a young caregiver named Kit who is assigned to take care of a woman named Lenora Hope who everyone thinks murdered her entire family when she was 17. And so Kit goes to Lenora's Gilded Age mansion where she's stayed in silence and solitude for decades and finds that Lenora is just a very infirm old woman. She can't walk. She can't talk. She's confined to a wheelchair. All she can really do is use her left hand, which she uses to type on a typewriter and that's how she communicates. And one night she types to Kit, I want to tell you everything. And so Kit begins helping Lenora type out the story of her family's murder and all the events leading up to it and finds that there's so much to the story that people don't know and that things that might put her in danger in the present. So there's a it's very twisty very suspenseful, very gothic. Yeah. I mean, I would say definitely recommend to readers looking for like a twisty story. I, If anyone says they predicted this book, I just will not believe them. Oh, yeah. I've, I, I, I see that sometimes where like someone, like I don't really look at reviews anymore at all because gosh, that's, my mental health can't take that. No. But occasionally I will still see something will like come into my periphery. It's like, oh, I knew it was X on like page two. It's like, you absolutely did not. You liar, liar, pants on fire. And that's that's especially true with this book. Like, it's crazy. There, there's, there are twist on twist on twist. There are. 
And I remember there was something noted in the beginning and I was like, that's going to be important. And then I completely forgot about it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, I was right. (laughs) It was, it probably was. Yes. Um, So you did mention this is loosely based on Lizzie Borden. Um, I think in the case that this is also kind of like a local urban legend um, and there's a rhyme about the murders. Uh, Did you have any kind of a local urban legend type of story where you grew up? No. And I'm bummed by that. There was there was really nothing like I mean, we didn't because where I grew up, um, there is a a state hospital where they kept some mentally insane people there and um who had committed crimes and and so it was like right next to like the elementary school <laughs> and, and it was like who does that who builds a school next to like this state hospital for the criminally insane and um yeah and that's i'm just right now thinking that should be a plot in one of my books honestly yeah tuck that away but so we didn't have any urban legends because we had like the reality of it, like right next to us. Like, yeah, there's where the insane criminals are kept and everything's fine. No, they're not going to escape. Yeah. My husband also grew up next to a like big state hospital like that. So I don't think he had any urban legends either. He was up in northern Michigan. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm central Pennsylvania. But I, I think just the presence just dismisses all urban legends. <laughs> well, speaking of tucking that away for later, are there any kind of tropes or types of stories that you would like to write one day? Like it's like one day I would really like to write a whatever type of story. I love the movie Jaws. I would love to write a there's something in the water and it's eating people and we have to stop it kind of thing but i also know that i would completely embarrass myself with it and so like that's that's going to be like you can tell when i'm like out of all f's to give <laughs> when i don't care about sales or reputation or anything where it's like oh he released a shark book. Okay, it's done for him. He's he's done. You're right. He's secure. He finally yes. got to pursue his passion project. That's yeah. When when I feel completely, absolutely like where I don't need to make another dime for the rest of my life, then I will write my shark book. Yeah, uh, I love shark movies. I I have a soft spot for it. it's not a good movie, but I love Forty Seven Meters Down, Uncaged. I have not seen that one. I I stopped watching shark movies after um Deep Blue Sea. I mean that's the peak. Well, I mean the the peak the peak is Jaws 3 D. Okay. Which I'm weird, like this is like you can only see this but like my t-shirt is Jaws 3D. Perfect. Because, you came prepared for this. Well, cuz the only one left takes place in 1983. And so I was thinking about like for book tour purposes like what fun clothes could I get that represent 1983? And so one of them was like this Jaws 3D t-shirt. Because Jaws 3D is such, it's the best worst movie. It's pretty wild. It's it's so terrible, yet so ridiculously entertaining at the same time. And I, I love that. One thing I would worry about with like writing 
something like that is like didn't peter benchley like commit his life to like conservation efforts because of like all the people turning against sharks he did he felt he felt very very guilty later in life about the way sharks were being treated but i don't know i say this as a lover of shark movies though (laughs) they're good like there's just something irresistible about it like hi we're i'm a nubile young woman swimming in the ocean nothing bad is going to happen to me and then you just know there's something under the water ready to get them perfect i feel like there was a one of the fear street books that had an element of that too probably that i, that I really loved sorry going back to the the tenuous lizzie borden stuff <laughs> i was gonna say i feel like in the last few years i've noticed a trend of us as a society questioning the narratives that we've been told around figures like Lizzie Borden and like Elizabeth Bathory. And so I thought that was an interesting part of this book to be like, you know, this is just something you take for granted. Like this is what the kids say at the playground happened. It seems like this pretty straightforward story. Why wouldn't it be her? But why do you think that is becoming more and more common now? That's a very interesting question. I, I think we just as a society like to go back and re-examine things that fascinate us. And as society changes, we do take a step back and think like, wow, we really did her dirty with the narrative that we created for her. Like, and I mean, not related at all. Britney Spears, to my knowledge, has not killed anyone or has been accused of killing anyone. But it's, it's funny that, it wasn't that long ago, really. And we're all looking back at like 15 years ago and going like, wow, we all totally mistreated this young woman. Mm-hmm. And we kind of enjoyed watching it happen. Yeah. And so there is a sort of a sense of guilt by association. And I think by going back and reexamining them, we're kind of absolving ourselves of that guilt. I think there's definitely a part of that. Um I know one of the podcasts I listen to has a bit on that, on kind of looking back into narratives around maligned women of the 90s. Like there's like Tanya Harding and like a bunch of people and people are talking about like, who would that be for the 2000s? And people have been throwing around, yeah, like Britney Spears, Paris Hilton, Megan Fox, like people who had these certain narratives spun about them in the media and like how it, we're going to reexamine that in the future. And it really, it goes back like... I mean, in America, you could take as far back as like, you know, the Salem witch trials. And oh yeah, before that in Europe, you can go back as far as like Joan of Arc. Like it's, there's just like these, there's so many of the, these maligned women who like were accused of doing horrible things that didn't really do anything. And now we're all going back and being, whoops, our bad. Sorry. Also, which I'd want to ask. I think you are a bit of a Swifty. Just a tad. Just, just a, a tad. Scotch. I did see you go to the Eras tour. I'm a little, little jealous. Um, it's in town this weekend, and I'm going to StokerCon. So tear, tear for me. Oh, I know. But what era would you pair with the only one left? Oh, this is Reputation all the way. Oh, I was yeah. thinking that too. <laughs> yeah, this, this is. Um, I, I did something bad. Um, look what you made me do. All of, all of the, the 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 goodies from from that one, yeah. This is this is very much a because I was kind of thinking about that. I might do something on social media at some point about like which one of my books would fit with like a Taylor Swift era. And some are completely obvious, some are not. But this one, I'm like, 
This is absolutely reputation. I know. Now I'm like thinking, would lock every door be 1989 because it's Welcome to New York? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that was one where I'm like, yep, I know this one. It's other like like the last time I lied, where I'm like, oh god, is this is this fearless? Is it speak now? Is it folklore? I don't know. Yeah, that was that one's a toughie, but. With the only one left, it's absolutely 100% reputation. What's your favorite era? It depends. I mean, I was a huge 1989 fan because that was, I'd liked her music and respected her music before then. But 1989 came along at a time in my life where I just was, I needed this album, like just to lift my spirits, to like just get me in a. And so I was a big fan of that one. But then Folklore came along again at a time when we all needed it and we didn't even know we needed it. And so I I think I'm leaning toward Folklore just because she does such great narrative work in the songwriting Mm -hmm. there. Where we're we're, at no point are we like, oh, this is about her life writing short stories in song. Yeah. I mean, one of them is like a murder thriller. Like mm-hmm. a murder ballad. Yes. Well, on Books in the Freezer, the the name comes from Joey Tribbiani putting The Shining in the freezer. So we call freezer books like books that scared us so much that we had to put them in the freezer. Are there books that you would consider freezer books? I never finished The Shining. So that is definitely one of them. I I read it when I was way too young to be reading it, I think. It scared me so much that I just, I had to stop myself from reading it. So that's one Stephen King that I've never finished because it scared me too much. Um, another one, and I I did finish these two books, even though they both just horrified me completely. Um, Red Dragon by Thomas Harris. Utterly, absolutely terrifying to me. Just the idea of like, there could be some deformed psychopath sitting in a tree outside my house, watching my every move. So he knows the best way to come in and murder me at night. Terrifying. And also a bird box by Josh Wallerman. That was a stressful one. That one was traumatic. Like that one gave me nightmares (laughs) and (laughs) books rarely give me nightmares, but that one so well done. Like just, utterly riveting and and terrifying did you read the follow-up i did yeah it was interesting not i i didn't find it scary but i found it interesting from like the evolution of these characters yeah bird box was one of my favorites absolutely stressed me out so yeah i need to pick up was it mallory mallory yes well one tradition we have on the podcast is to ask guests for a chilling obsession or something they have been enjoying in horror lately. A chilling obsession. Oh goodness. Um I'm terrible at this. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, like I've I've really not been consuming scary things. I feel this. Because yeah, it just it's life has been it, it really, it did start during the pandemic where it was like, wow, real life is so, so scary to me that I want fun things. So I'm watching, you know, like 
I watch Parks and Recreation repeats and Ted Lasso and game shows where people win lots of money because just everything is so horrible right now. Um, I honestly can't remember the last scary movie I watched. Scream 6. I saw Scream oh, 6 yeah. and I have opinions. Where does it where does it rank on the on the franchise? Pretty low in my in yeah. my mind. Yeah, it's it was I like what they tried to do with it. It didn't quite work. And also, I miss Sydney Prescott. Yeah. I was bummed that she didn't come. I understand that- it though. Like it's, she wasn't getting paid her her deal. Pay pay Nev Campbell what she's owed, people. I really liked it, but I think a bit of it was I was so excited to just be back in a theater and watching oh. movies that I'm like movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think like that's why I like the movie Cruella so much. That was that was my first. I mean, we were still in the middle of the pandemic, but like I went and saw it anyway, and. It was just so wonderful to be in a movie theater again that it could have been Jaws 3D and I would have been like, oh my God, this is the best movie ever. So I I love Cruella wholeheartedly and I think it is because it was my first post-COVID film. and Yeah. But it still holds up. I watched it again yeah. after that and on Disney Plus. I'm like, yeah, this movie still works. Okay, so it wasn't just the, the allure of being in the movie theater then. Right. Although that did help a lot. Like <laughs> I don't know. I think I was just so excited. I mean I, I clapped when like Kirby came back. I was just like, oh I am the the fangirl here. <laughs> can we can we can we talk spoilers about this movie a little bit? Sure. Okay. Spoilers everyone. Spoilers for I, Scream Six. I just find it ridiculous. And I don't want these characters to die. Like I don't. But it was so ridiculous how like all of the, the good characters, like just like Kirby, for instance, how many times was she like shot, stabbed and shot or what? And it's just like, there is no way you can survive this. And then by the end, she's like, I'm good. Like they were, <laughs> they were all this way. Like Gail Weathers was like, like stabbed to like an inch of her life. And she's like, Nope, I'm good. And it just, I found it a little bit silly when mm-hmm. all of them got brutalized yeah. for like an inch within their lives and they're like nope yay we're all we all survived haha and i think like they needed to get rid of someone i think it would have been a good send-off to gail i think her fight scene was really good she put up a fight she was smart and i think that would have been a good that was that was a surprisingly suspenseful scene because yeah. i i didn't think that they were going to kill her but that was a well done constructed scene that that was the scene where i was watching it going Wes craven would be proud of this scene yeah it was a very it was a smartly written scene she made smart decisions she did yeah she she did all the right things and it just showed like how i wouldn't say this killer was this ghost face was smart i'd say this ghost face just there were a lot of them (laughs) is (laughs) I'll say I did really like the opening, the cold open kill. Yes, my my favorite line of the movie is when he's like, "What's your favorite? What's your favorite scary movie?" And she instantly says, "Not that one." 
Well, the second tradition that we have on this podcast is to ask guests for a final girl song. So if you were in a horror movie, what would your final girl song be? I really like Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. That is a classic. Um, But because I am such a Swifty, I think it might have to be a Taylor Swift song. Okay. And I think it would be blank space. Okay. I'm like trying to like play it in my head. Okay, I can see it. Because that's that's a good closing credit song. Like I could, you know, mass killer vanquished for now, dusting yourself off and just being like, okay. And you just sort of like march off away from the camera and like that song starts playing. And And especially because, you know, I got a blank space, which could stand for like, I've got this knife, I've got this gun, <laughs> I've got this ice pick, and I will write your name, ergo, I will beat the crap out of you because I'm a final girl and a survivor. Yeah, I could see that as like a cut to black, like, got a, bank, got a blank space, baby, and I'll write your name. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking to me about the only one left. No, thank you. And I swear, next year... I will get some horror movies watched before (laughs) I do this so I can talk eloquently about the latest horror movie that I've seen. (laughs) You came with one. We talked. We had opinions. We did. We we do have opinions. (laughs) No, and there are some like I kind of want to see Skinamarink, but I'm also afraid that it might mess me up. Yeah, that one I will say you need to just be in a dark distractionless room. Mm, Okay, And that's that's the trouble. Like, it's so hard to. Yeah find the time to be like okay i'm yeah but if if there's a movie you're gonna have opinions on it'll it'll be that you either okay (laughs) either works for you or it does not i've heard that yeah all right well thank you so much thank you this episode is brought to you by fangoria the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979 Listeners can use code Books in the Freezer to get 20% off their order. That includes, of course, merchandise and first time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code Books in the Freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod or on Instagram and TikTok at Books in the Freezer. Or you can send an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes can be found at booksinthefreezer.com. There you will find a list of books mentioned in this episode and, of course, books mentioned in all previous episodes. It's a really good resource. It also says where to buy merch, different ways to support the podcast if you want um, affiliate links or links to the Patreon. There's also a link to the Final Girl playlist on Spotify or you can search for it under BITF Final Girl. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter 
under Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at That's What She Read and that's That's With Two A's. See you next time on Books in the Freezer. Thank you.